This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Psychococcus, the Christmas box. I do grow quite a few of these as well. They're sort of... I haven't collected them, but I've got a collection of them, if you know what I mean. Um, this is Psychococca Confuser, which I would say is kind of the first one to go for. It's tough, it's reliable, it's compact. Lovely white flowers from about the middle of December through to... It's probably going to go for another fortnight now. And then... A year later, can you see the berries? Mm. You get these glossy black berries on them as well. So you have berries and flowers simultaneously. Um, this has come off plant that um, I'm very grateful to my mum planting 30-odd years ago because it's now four foot tall and probably five feet across in my driveway. <sighs> and if I park the car on that side of the drive it'll probably knock you over with the scent when you get out on a mild day in January, February time. But I'd say my office here is getting quite smelly this morning when we <laughs> record this because not only have I got sarcococcus in here, but I've got something else smelly in a second. <laughs> if you pick just a couple of tiny sprigs of these to put in the house, you may well have another member of the household who says after a while, that's too strong, put it outside. <laughs> I know a few families that have that issue. But Confuser is probably the one I would start with. If you've got that and want something more interesting, how's mm. about Ruscifolia with bright, glossy red berries? That's like a Christmas decoration. These beautiful, yes. dark, super shiny berries. Yeah. And that's dark, right, pinky red. right outside my front door. And that's actually gone up to the eaves now. So that, that's up to eight foot tall against the north facing wall by my front door. Um, it's a bit earlier flowering than Confuser. So it's basically finished flowering. You can see there's, there's just a few flowers at the bottom there, but they've really kind of fallen apart and gone. But those berries, and it's, it's just dripping with them. Um, it's just so but, glamorous. I love that. Yeah, it's a cracking plant, it really is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That, I'd say, is the, the next level up from Confuser. Um, there's a couple of others that I've acquired here. Um, this was a, a more recent introduced species called Saligna, Psychococcus saligna. And I got this on the understanding it was autumn flowering. I thought sort of September, October flowering. And without fail in the 10 years or so I've had it, it flowers in February. So, <laughs> I don't know whether my plant's confused or whether the original descriptions were confused, but I really like it for its long, narrow leaves anyway. Mm. Um, not quite as smelly as the first two, but it's a nice plant anyway. Certainly if you've got somewhere else to pop another one. And I basically recommend surrounding your house with sarcococcus. I've got four species growing around the house here. Um, so, and one that you might find a bit more easily available in a lot of garden centres. It's a recent form of Sarcococca hookeriana called Winter Gem. I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure that I like it, but because it's so easily available, 
it's probably the one that a lot of people will find easier to get hold of than than some of the others I've mentioned. So it's a good enough plant, dark stem, pink and white flowers, very smelly. Um, it just, I don't know, somehow it looks a little bit plasticky to me, <laughs> whereas Confuser and Ruscifolia and certainly Saligna look a lot more natural. Um, well, for the garden centre market, considering the popularity of those little plastic balls that hang outside people's houses, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a, a good point. It's probably a selling point. <laughs> it's probably a longer season in a pot as well, I suppose. Um, so the last two cut things I've got in my jam jar here. Um, I don't know how these are going to work. <laughs> Do one at a time, I suppose. Um, can you see that at all? Be really difficult. Is that the it is, yeah. I don't know if the camera's going to focus on it, but um, this is not your normal winter flowering shrubby honeysuckle. Um, well, I say it's not your normal one. It took a long while before I came across it, but this is um, Lonisra standishii Budapest. We thank our mutual acquaintance Richard Hobbs for this one. <laughs> this is pink, basically, albeit a very pale shell pink on a sort of creamy base and you can hopefully see semi evergreen yeah. long narrow willow like leaves um i've got a bush of this right outside my back kitchen door bathroom window sort of position and it's a lovely subtle light fragrance mm. some people do say they can't smell anything on it at all but for me it works um that's the individuality of noses for you well, yeah, I was just going to say, we were talking on nursery yesterday about the scent from Telema grandiflora. I can't smell anything at all, but Sally, who works for me, can pick it up from 10 yards away. <laughs> so, you know, some people can smell some things and some people can't. But I certainly recommend if you've got space for a shrub six to eight feet tall, six feet across, this has been in flower since November and it will carry on well into April, I would say just doesn't care about the weather flowers all through the winter um what a find the one that i had to throw on the floor <laughs> is the much more familiar lonisera perpusii winter beauty and i'm starting to think that a lot of people are growing this but thinking they've got lonisera fragrantissima i keep seeing people posting pictures of what looks very much like winter beauty on social media and they're calling it Fragrantissima and saying how brilliant it is and all of that. But in reality, my experience of Fragrantissima, I wouldn't bother giving it space in the garden. It's a pretty poor scent, not reliable. It's a big, rather ugly bush. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm not impressed with Lonisera. Come on, baby, sell it, sell it. <laughs> it's, it's, sorry, it's one that would go on the compost. I wouldn't grow it. <laughs> um, but Perpusii Winter Beauty... I mean, I grew up with this in the garden. I've known it 35, 40 years, and I wouldn't be without it. This one's right outside kitchen window, so on those those days in winter when the house has got slightly warmer and you throw the window open, you get wonderful perfume coming in. Cream flowers that open white. Um, bumblebees have been blundering around on it on the warm days recently as well. Um, it's cracking shrub. It really is. Prune it after it's flowering goes for both of these lonisseras and you can keep its size if it's getting too big for you. Um, that is so, lovely. Yeah. It's 
and that's that's getting a bit strong in the office here now it's a, a relatively small room it's only like 12 foot square and it's i'm just going to move that a bit further away from me <laughs> don't faint <laughs> point it the other direction <laughs> well, when i first left school i worked for a small nursery not that far away from here and i helped tim setting up his displays at the rhs westminster shows um so the very first one i did was it's january or february and we went down to london early on a sunday morning to set up this show in this van that was stuffed full of sarka cockers <laughs> in full flower and i swear halfway down the m11 we nearly passed out from the center <laughs> of that i think it was pretty overpowering you know once the heat gets going in the van Right, not too many left. Um, I'm something disappointed. Just... Oh, well, I I thought I rather overdid it last time I was on. You know, there was about two hours, I think. <laughs> we just noticed this little fella coming up when we were picking out some mail orders last week. This is a wooden enemy, but not the native one. Um, this is an enemy flaccida. And it's really at its best when it's just coming through the ground like this, when it's got this milk chocolate brown leaf. Um, it will get up a bit taller. And again, it's only an inch or so at the moment. It has single white flowers, March into April, um, same terms as native wooden enemy flowers. And by the time it's in flower, the leaves will be quite green. Um, so it doesn't really keep on that foliage colour for that long, unfortunately. I wish it did, but lovely chocolate colour at this time anyway and it's called flaccida because once it's sort of got into going over from flowering stage the whole thing just flops to the floor and it will go dormant for the summer really quite quickly um so it's a real good sort of woodland spring foliage and flower plant that's going to carry on from the winter evergreen stuff and the snowdrops and that as you move on into spring um just giving you a bit of interest and it disappears so that things that come up a bit later have got somewhere to, to grow afterwards so you can get those layers going in the garden. Mm. Um, it's got a nice hint of chocolate about it. I Sometimes um, things like, is it the Corydalis, is it chocolate stars? Oh, yeah. Chocolate something. It's very, very milk chocolate, and I'm never yeah. quite decided how I feel about it. I haven't got <laughs> it myself. I sort of see it in gardens. Um, but that feels like... It's it's chocolatey without being at like someone's laid dairy milk in the garden. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely flushed rather than <laughs> solid chocolate. <laughs> a bit disappointing if you just want to eat it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Not that I'd recommend eating anything that we grow as an ornamental because you never quite know. No. Um, but um, no, it's just the first of the wooden enemies to actually show foliage this year for us. Um, the, the native ones, Nemorosas, will be along in a few weeks' time. Um, I was kind of hoping that I'd find a few of those to bring because they are something I do have quite a collection of. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, next year, uh, next year we'll have to cover uh, a, a section of your collection. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to think what am I going to take to the Great Dixter Plant Fair the first weekend in April, and I'm hoping that's going to hit wooden enemies perfectly <laughs> this year. So um, it's the first time I've done the spring plant fair down there. So I'm, yeah, we'll just wait and see what we take. <laughs> Um, no, definitely into spring flowers, though. And this has been also pumping out the perfume here in the office since I brought it in the warm this morning. Real mouthful of the name, Ypsilandra tibetica. Oh, yeah. Possibly the only family of plants I've got that starts with a Y. 
So if you want to complete the alphabet of plants, then Ypsilandra is probably one of those things you need. It's just, yeah, choice is about the only word you can give it, I suppose. Clump forming, long strappy leaves, and these really quite showy late winter flowers. And um, I don't honestly know what that scent compares to. There's a little bit of um, daff, daff, daffodil type citrusy hint to it, but it's really rich and sweet. Um, and on a warm day like today, and it's what, 12 degrees or something today, you will be able to smell this from several feet away in the garden. Does need a decent soil, I would say, not too dry, and any sun will bleach the leaves. Um, so definitely something growing in complete shade. I would say in East Anglia, probably growing it on the north side of a wall or a fence or something is better than growing it underneath trees or shrubs. Um, simply because it should stay a little bit moister on the north side of a building rather than underneath a, a shrub where it's going to have the, the moisture sucked out the soil around it. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I got, well, no, my very first plant of this came from a nursery down in Sussex, which is, has since closed with the retirement of the owner. But um, I never really found that plant did that well. It just kind of potted on and never increased that much. My current stock came from the nursery in southwest Scotland. And it, this plant, so much more vigorous, much better doer. Um, my original one, I could probably divide every 10 years. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to divide it every two or three years. It's just increasing that much better. There's supposedly a trick where you can root this from leaf cuttings as well. Um, I've tried a couple of times and not had any luck yet, but um, I will try it a few more times. Um, but a lovely and very choice thing. Lovely um, fluffy flowers. I always think that. Just I know exactly where I could put that as well this is this is not a good time for me to be building up wish lists of plants but <laughs> one for your raised bed in alongside the house uh, yeah exactly and and possibly next to the raised bed in a little gap I've got where it would be sort of yeah I think a bit more moist the raised bed because it's like a massive pot I kind of have to try yeah. and then um... mind you the chrysosplenium I bought uh, from you last year uh, I was so worried would hate the drought in that raised bed but it's it's flowering it's looking happy Good. so Oh, well, strange you should mention that. <laughs> Somewhere here, I have a Chrysosplenium. Yay! <laughs> Chrysosplenium macrophyllum with its big, broad leaves, um, sort of reddish tint to them. And, yeah, it's funny, I was thinking about this in relation to your raised bed, actually, because we just sent out a few plants of a different form of it with a much narrower leaf. Ah. Um, there's no good me talking about it now. We're sold out. And won't yeah, have so any I've, more and I've bought the wrong one, <laughs> and well, you haven't got any. No, I was just thinking actually that that narrow leaf form might be better for people with less space because yeah. it's not as vigorous as the broader leaf version is. Um, so if you've seen carpets of this one somewhere in a garden and you're thinking it's lovely, but it's too big and rampant for me, maybe wait for the narrow leafed one as well. Because yeah. um, we had this conversation on. when I was buying it, because I was suspecting it wouldn't get as much moisture as it necessarily wanted, and we hoped that might hold it back a little bit. And so far, I think it's working, but obviously, it's only a year in, so we'll see. Well, I don't know if this camera is going to be up to it, but the new 
shoots are just starting to emerge there. These We're going to go on chocolate brown foliage again. <laughs> um, and they are really chocolatey, the new shoots on these. They will extend and produce runners, a bit like a strawberry. And it's the plants on the end of those runners that root in that give you the potential yeah. problem with it just being too much of a good thing. Yeah. Um, so if you need to restrain it, pinch those runners off before they root in. Yeah. And it's a, a fairly quick, easy job to to keep it where it is. It's just too stunning to not grow. I love I love that plant and I love its flowers yeah. and the flush on I mean, the foliage. Flowers from middle of January onwards. Um, the only thing I will caution, if you think you're trimming off the trails, the flowering rosettes often die when they finish flowering. It's it's sort of, I'm going to use the word monocarpic, which means flowers set seed and dies. It's not quite that, but it's something along those lines. So um, always leave a few new rosettes to keep it going. Um, I was a little bit too tidy one year and nearly killed a batch of them by trimming all the nails off at the wrong time. <laughs> Live and learn. <laughs> I always in this job, and I, I say I kill plants so that you don't have to. And I, I work on this basis of I'll kill a plant three times. And if I, if I can't keep it after the third go, then I write it off and I won't try again. Um, very occasionally I, break that when somebody gives me a fourth plant and says you really must grow it <laughs> but that doesn't happen very often I usually refuse fourth options on things like that and if I've I mean if you lose it once it could just be bad luck weather or something sat on it or whatever <laughs> second time could be down to a poor plant so you've bought one that was not going to ever grow for anybody anywhere if you lose it a third time, it's probably just you or me in my case, you know. And I think, yeah, three times is, is running out of excuses for why you can't grow it. <laughs> right. And another little cluster of things to finish up with. And I should have thought these open up in sun and they tend to go in when you come inside. Um, Iphions, or if the... Um, taxonomists i'm going to say rather than botanists have their way they may be going back to the old name of tristagma but i'm still calling them my theon for the minute and these are well, i suppose some of the older varieties that were about things like froil mill um wisley wisley blue wisley purple i forget what that's called now they're a little bit weedy they make masses of leaf not very many flowers and they seed and spread everywhere like mad but there are some other forms of Itheon out there that I really rate. Um, this was one of the first of the newer ones I got. And I got this from Julian Sutton, who, not sure if he still sells, but he used to run desirable plants down in Devon and come up to East Anglia selling occasionally. And I bought something I didn't know I needed from him. Um, didn't know anything about it. This is Itheon uniflorum subspecies tandiliens which at the time the RHS in the plant finder said was a duff name and didn't exist. I think we've convinced them that it does exist now. It's a really pale, slightly warm, icy blue. But the key thing, I don't know if the camera on my tablet is picking them up, but mm. on the back of those flowers are these lovely stripes that run down the centre of each 
tepple, sepple, whatever it we call it. Reminds me of what um what you you do in the the older older times with hosiery and draw a line down the back yeah. of the tights to look like a seam. <laughs> it's that that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. So even on a dull day when the flowers are closed, you've got that attractive two-tone colour on the back of them. Get them out into the sun and they open up to these lovely big starry flowers. Mm. Um, this form Tandiliense, I found out long after I got it, is a really rare version in the wild. It comes from one side of one hill. I think it's from just outside Buenos Aires, but it's high enough up, but I say hill, probably a mountain, that it's hardy here. Um, it's a bit like Iris unguicularis and other Mediterranean sort of winter flowering things. It wants somewhere warm, sunny, where it's going to be baked. It'll cope with drying out completely in the summer because it goes summer dormant. And um, yeah, bottom of a south facing wall or something like that would suit it really well. That's been flowering for me this winter since about the third or fourth week of November. And I reckon that's still going to be in flower into April or maybe even early May if we actually get some rain, having had three weeks with no rain at the moment. Um, so that was the first of the newer ones I got. And then I found out that Julian had been naming some new ones. And this is one that he's named recently called Miss Hannah. And it's a see much bigger flower. And this is a two-tone pink, again, with the dark lines on the back of the flower. And this has just been incredible. I've only had it two or three years, but it's so vigorous, big flowers, long, long flowering period. And with that, and you see, this camera is really not up to it, I think, on here to show the subtlety of the colour in the bud mm -hmm. there. But it's this sort of rosy pink that fades to white, those dark stripes, pink on the inside of the flowers, and they, these are all perfumed, did I say? Oh. Not as not as knockout as the Lonissa and the Sarcococca, but they have got a lovely sweet honey perfume to them as well. Um, so I've acquired a few Ithions as well. Um, <laughs> this, oh. is, this one's not from Julian, actually. This is from Who House, and it's called Ithion Uniform Who House. It's a... Uh, a good mid-blue, I would say. Not quite as big as Miss Hannah, but still a lovely one and a much stronger colour and stronger plant than the old blues. This one looks a bit floppy because I'm afraid it's a little on the dry side. But see, it's, well, a little, it's bone dry. Absolutely <laughs> water. But it's still flowering away. It's not completely flopped. The leaves are limp, but the flowers are fine. Um, and they are such an eye-catching blue. I mean, I, I think there are a few gardeners who aren't drawn like magnetically to, to colours like that. And again, on, on nearly all of them, those dark stripes on the back of the flower. And the thing with these is they don't have one lot of flower all at once. You see, there's one that's gone over there, couple that out now, couple to open the next few days, more buds coming through. And as you go on, there'll be more buds coming from the, there's a tiny little bud just emerging in the corner there. You know, they just flower sequentially for, for months, literally all through the winter. If you've got a cold porch, cold greenhouse, cold conservatory, something like that, these will make really good pot plants as well. And they just flower and flower and flower. Um, wow. Last one, the even bluer. 
this is another new one. I think this, well, I'm not certain who named this, but I've got a feeling it's another of Julian Sutton's namings. And this is called Rigel. I feel like, I don't know. That doesn't feel like a name that's really doing it justice. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's a star, isn't it? Oh, is right? it? Or a constellation. I think it's something from from up there somewhere. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that's that's more of a violety colour than Who House, which is is definitely blue. Um, oh. so the the one thing to beware with these: the foliage on them smells of onions and garlic. <laughs> Don't put them somewhere where you're going to keep touching them, because I've now got this mixture of garlicky, oniony smell coming from the leaf and the sweet perfume from the flowers, whilst I'm still surrounded by psychococca and honeysuckle. <laughs> it's not a room scent that uh, any of the, what are they called? Like um, the things you stick in your plugs to scent your room. Oh, yeah, the, the, the air fresheners that actually just <laughs> pump your air full of chemicals. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to be marketing your weird garlic psychococca no. <laughs> sort of mix. But... I just think they're lovely. I mean, I just looked up the name Rigel, and apparently, it's male name of Arab Arabic origin, and it um, means foot. Oh, <laughs> I'm and not it sure also that means wise guardian. <laughs> I really hope it also is some sort of star. I, I it really isn't doing that flower justice if it's named after a foot. <laughs> <laughs> what ray! Lovely things for containers, or if you've got that hot dry spot at the bottom of the wall um oh. five months flower from them and then they go dormant and disappear in the heat of the summer so they will cope as i said with other things like the arum and the cyclamen they disappear when it gets too hot and, and dry for them um so really good future plants i think i think you just illustrated tim how important um winter gardens can actually be because you know so many people have this awful phrase which i dread is put, putting the garden to bed oh. for the winter you know i'm glad you've said that I've, that face said it all i'm glad that you glad you did it you know it's just a waste of time there's just so much of interest out there yeah i'm because obviously i'm dealing with the public with selling plants a lot a lot of it's face to face particularly when i'm in the winter going out to talk to garden clubs and i start giving my talks in october and the number of times I hear that and I have to you know, be politically correct <laughs> sometimes and right, okay, yeah, it's not what I would do, but you yeah. know, if somebody's mm. done that for 40, 50 years of gardening, then who am I to tell them not to? But yeah, diplomacy yeah. intact, uh, always. Yeah, that's, I'm not always that good at that. <laughs> I say it is a lot. What an amazing array of plants, though, Tim. And uh, uh, you ended with a real showstopper. Look at that lineup. Yeah. It's like a it's chorus girls on a stage or something. Something like that, isn't it? Better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have got a few others as well, but I thought four was plenty. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, there's new forms of these being named every year now, it seems. Um, so, yeah. And is that, really is that the conclusion to your show and tell? It is, yeah. Uh, You've shown great restraint. I'm very impressed. <laughs> as long as I've had enough for you. Um... Uh, well, I I do 
considering that I'm not really supposed to be building up wish list plants at the moment, I uh, there are so many things that I'm flomoing over that you've brought along today. Flomo, of course, being that fear of missing out, you get about a flower or a plant. Um, those ferns just blew my uh, blew my mind. Um, your ferny show and tell. So I think uh, I'll be keeping an eye out and saving up in case I ever come across them at a plant sale. <laughs> um, actually, I, I think. As I was preparing for this, I remembered that when you were on the podcast before, there were so many things when I was looking through your Instagram, putting together pictures for the the, the podcast itself that I marked as FLOMO. <laughs> I, <laughs> I went back to the folder and there was just this raft of pictures that were just a plant with the word FLOMO next to it so that I could find them and, and you know, keep track of them. One of them, not necessarily a group of plants that everybody loves, but it was an oxalis. Mm. Uh, Oxala semiloba, which oh, yeah. just looked lovely. And actually, I'd just been uh, to an, an evening opening at the Cambridge University Botanic Garden. And there, I was trying to extol the virtues of Oxalis to the other half who said he he just thought they looked like a weed. Considering these are Oxalis in the Alpine house at a botanic garden. Yeah. <laughs> pretty nice specimens but he thought they were weedy I really like oxalis I don't have very many and that one looked lovely yeah and that, that semiloba was originally well collected in Lesotho um I don't really know anybody else who grows it but certainly should it's it's pretty hardy um certainly given good drainage but that color and it produces so much flower over such a long time just describe it you'll do a better job than me seeing as you actually grow it yeah okay so neat little hummocks basically um maybe about eight inches high and a little more across um typical oxalis like clover type leaves bright green on top purple flushed beneath and then it has these corally flowers um orangey pinky somewhere in between I, I think different light probably makes it look a different color to be honest and it starts flowering sort of mid to late summer and will carry on well into the autumn. Um, it has a corn that it goes dormant to in the winter. So if you want to grow it in a pot, um, which we keep a lot of our stock of it in pots, um, we move those once they're dormant into our potting shed for the winter. So they're kept dry, but they will still get cold. And we, we put a lot of those sort of half hardy winter dormant things they're just stacked up in the potting shed for the winter. They'll they'll get down to freezing, but the key thing is keeping them dry. So if you've got a, a relatively sort of frost-free shed, garage, utility room, whatever, where you can put it in a pot, then that's a nice easy way to keep it. Otherwise, it wants somewhere well-drained, sunny, and let it bake like a, a sort of Mediterranean plant. But obviously it's Mediterranean-type plant, but from Southern Africa. Yeah, stunning thing. The mm. photo should still be on my Instagram somewhere because I tend to post it every year, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful. So, yeah, that's one from a while back that I've uh, I've been coveting. Uh, where are you at with your FLOMO then, Tim? Oh, um, I have actually written down my mental wish list of snowdrops and it's rather longer than it ought to be. Uh, <laughs> the trouble is... You know what people like with snowdrops on Instagram and Twitter? They just keep putting new ones up every week that you've never seen before. And, oh, that looks rather nice. But the ones that really get me are the ones that I saw 10 years ago and quite liked but didn't buy because they were 200 quid or whatever. 
and I still see them now and they catch my eye again. Um, but I'm going to skip the snowdrops, actually, and go for something completely left field. I mean, got you excited that I was going to mention a snowdrop you didn't know. Um, something else, though, I have got a cornice mass growing on the nursery, which is British European native winter flowering cornice. From a distance, it should look a bit like a hamamelis of witch hazel clusters of yellow flowers all along the bare branches in the winter and this thing is 15 feet high it's probably eight or ten feet wide it's in its current position 22 years it was moved from my garden where it had been for at least 10 years and you know in all those years the blooming thing has hardly ever flowered it's really right and i've just about had enough of it now i think it's going to get the chop and give something else the space and what I keep seeing over the last five years or so is a virtually identical plant that seems to be much more floriferous cornus officinalis ah, yes and it looks just like mass is supposed to but every photo I see of it people keep posting it looks like it's actually doing what mass is supposed to do and <laughs> doesn't do for me so it's not that easy to find from a quick hunt online. There's a, a couple of people list it, but out of stock as always. Um, so maybe one of those days when I actually see one in front of me and it's too much money and I don't know where I'm going to put it, I'll just buy it anyway and find a home for it afterwards. Of the disappointment of things that you think you found and then they're always perpetually out of stock. Yeah, I just don't look too often. That's the answer. And wait till <laughs> it leaps up in front of you when you're not expecting it. <laughs> Well, it's more enjoyable that way, really, when you suddenly find well, something at a plant fair. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the problem with occupationally going to places all the time, you know, and well, you're travelling to gardens and that all, <laughs> all the while as well. And yeah, that list just gets longer and longer, doesn't it? It's also the does. problem when you do podcasts with nurserymen. <laughs> <laughs> I well, thought yeah. that, isn't that why you do a podcast with nurserymen? <laughs> Yeah, it probably is. I mean, I'm sitting here drooling. I, I actually did a little count up, and I think you probably, between 20 and 25 plants you've shown us today. Right. Um, and most of those have got tick boxes from me because, um, uh, you know, this, this no, seriously, this thing of, of having interest in the garden at the, through the, throughout the dark months is a thing I keep, keep talking about. And, I mean, I do my best to, to try and make it more and more interesting. But... Um, the, the header is that you, uh, Anna Allah, I must have that one. Um, Silver Fernie, I hate the name, but love the plant. <laughs> there, there are worse names out there. Oh, yes, there are. I know. I know. Um, and I quite like Berry Merry as well. Um, yeah. Hibernica Rona, especially I think I have. Um, yeah. And it's growing on a, bit, on a wall and no more than about... 18 inches tall, 45 centimetres, I suppose. And it's made a lovely hummock over the top. It's at the end of a pond and it's home to grass snakes in the summer. Uh, <laughs> but the grass snakes are not really welcome because they get into the pond and they take the newts and fish and things like that. So they're not, not so good from that point of view. But, oh, that polypodium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leah. This, this one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just suddenly thought, and the interest in, yeah, um, and the interesting information that you gave, gave Tim was uh, good in East Anglia. Um, 
and you know we are the drier side of the country you know that's such an such an important thing for people to know and it has its new foliage late in the year so it's beautiful right the way through the winter which is so important that's on my list as is sarcococca ruscifolia which i don't know at all um right. i didn't know about the being the one with red berries i mean i don't mind about the flowers. Forget the flowers. I want the berries. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the, the beauty of some of these sarcococcus is you've got both at once all through the you winter. Do, yeah, I've got the black berries with the white flowers at the moment. Um, uh, I should mention whilst you're on sarcococcus, there's another one I just found out about the existence of last night. Oh, yeah. That's Instagram for you. Um, annoyingly, I've been looking for it this morning, and I don't know whether instagram's being awkward or whether the person that posted it has deleted it but <laughs> it's sarcococca blethinia blethinii named for blethin win jones from creek farm uh, guess uh, that <laughs> species named for him um i'd never heard of it till last night so i was torn between the cornice and that but i haven't seen that sarcococca yet but it's definitely gone on my if i see it i'll buy it list <laughs> yeah there's another one for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that Ruscifolia was absolutely stunning as well. That was a standout plant. Yeah. And then Lipsandra, I have it, of course. Yeah. Um, but I want I want a bowl full of that sitting on the table in the courtyard outside my kitchen for the winter. Lovely. I think a, a, a nice low pan of it would be absolutely splendid. And you've got that enclosed air in warm, sunny days. You'll get the lovely scent. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and well, the Iffians, I mean, they're just such lovely things altogether. I know you, and I know that you collect things like that. Um, <laughs> when you when you mentioned anemones, I just thought, yeah, how many has he got of those? <laughs> think... More than this. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm still in um, the tens, but I must be pushing a hundred different wooden enemies now. Yeah, you see what I mean? That is incredible. Okay. Um Mostly Nemorosa, but there's Ranunculoides and the hybrid between them, Lipsiensis, and then things like Flacida, which are completely different species entirely, but do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do go down rabbit holes when I start. get you know My attention is caught by a family, and then I just start getting more of them. And I, I'd say I, I kill things so that you don't have to. I also try things so that you don't have to, and I try and whittle out the the weedy ones, the ones that don't flower very well, so that we just grow and recommend those that have performed well and reliably. Um, so, yeah, there's a few wooden enemies that I've got that I wouldn't bother with, but I keep them to compare to the better ones as much as Exactly. I think that's wonderful. I think you could safely say, Thor, this next time you introduce Mr. Tim Fuller, uh, <laughs> the man who does the things that we don't want to do. <laughs> Something like that. I, thought, I think it's very interesting when you hear it from the horse's mouth that you know he actually he's he's actually growing these plants to to find out the best of the bunch, and that is what plants with preference offers. And thank you for that. Yeah. I shall I shall now go and back to the office, and I'm going straight onto your website. So, <laughs> well, there we go. It's well at what you've done. <laughs> I am not going to do that because I cannot fit anything else in at the moment. But um, believe me, the wish list is long. And one day in the future, I'm going to buy so many of these things. Tim, it has been an absolute joy. I'm sorry that your lap is probably soaking wet from all the plants that have dripped on you. And you're probably getting a headache from all the scent. 
Uh, I've been here long enough. I've dried out now, but there's still quite a puddle on the floor. <laughs> well, thank you for coming along and enchanting us with such a wonderful array of winter and early spring plants. We are indebted and Alan's about to be a little bit poorer. <laughs> Until next time. Happy gardening, everybody. Happy gardening, everybody. Nice to see you, Tim. Hey, Fordies here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. Hey.